Hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine, the show where we roll the dice to try to make movies better. But in reality, we're just having some fun. Today we start <laughs> our fantasy month. I know, I'm trying. <laughs> Today we start our fantasy month from 1946 romantic fantasy movie, a, Lo- a Matter of Life and Death. Wow, I just realized how appropriate that is. <laughs> Isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> Matter of Life and Death stars David Devin, Kim Hunter, Roger Ladsey, Raymond Massey, Maris Goring, and Richard Attenborough. They spared no expense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that was Niven. David Niven? Niven. Niven. Oh. David Niven, yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. I'm one of your hosts, Nick. And I'm Kaz. I'm Bob. What up? I'm Dan. I'm Jess. All right, Bob. This is one of your this is your pick, so you Bob go ahead and month. take it away. It's over to me. Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, so welcome everyone to Movie Theater Time Machine. It is my month. I picked the film A Matter of Life and Death, which was actually titled Stairway to Heaven in the USA when it was released in good really? old 1946. Yeah. yeah. It's really more Holy of an shit. escalator to heaven, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> it Don't sure was an escalator. It sure was was the most expensive scene to actually film in this movie. Yeah, I would imagine. Sure was. Yep. Yeah. No, it was an incredible film. Um, the reason uh, the U.S. we called it Stairway to Heaven was... Because uh, there we was We just one? finished with the... Yeah, because there was one, yeah. And we had just finished the uh, Second World War, and uh, hearing the word death in a film title was not something... Uh, people believed Americans would want to hear, so they said, we'll call it Stairway to Heaven, which sounds uh, nice, I guess. But it's when, where they get, where they go, where the stores are closed. (laughs) (laughs) No hobbits, though. I know. It's too bad. They had to use their feet to get everywhere. All right, so uh, this film was directed by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, Quite a Delicious. few uh, popular, yeah. I, I love that name, yeah. Pressburger, that's an awesome name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they did quite a few films for their time uh, that were uh, significant. Uh, the de- life uh, was it uh, the death of uh, Colonel Blimp, uh, Black Narcissus, uh, uh, and the Red Shoes, uh, and also was it Peeping Tom, which came out um, in the latter part of the 60s. Um, so they were like pretty much all over the place, but they, they made really quality films for their time. Um, so I guess the big question for me was like, why did I pick this movie for my movie month? Well, I'll tell you a little bit background. I came across this film late one night on Turner Classic Movies, and uh, I don't know what stopped me. I think it was the Technicolor or one of the scenes, but I, I could, couldn't stop watching the film once I got into it, so I ended up I'll uh, be watching it on demand when it was available and absolutely love this film. I think these guys are brilliant directors. Uh, how they're able to blend uh, this uh, romantic love story into a fantasy tale. Um, it was absolutely incredible from uh, beginning to end. Uh, what really fascinated me most uh, watching the film is it's actually, and from what I've researched, it's an allegory of the power struggle that existed between Britain and America uh, after the Second World War, which was, um, I guess, expected. 
I think at the time we were more powerful and uh, Britain was uh, a little bit sour for our power, having finished the World War. So this was their way of trying to equal the score of sort, trying to get the power back uh, and balance out. No kidding. Things that stuck out about this film for me, um, the color. Holy shit, did you guys see the color in this movie? Was yeah. It, uh, uh, <laughs> it was incredible just to watch this thing uh, from beginning to end, especially every scene transitioning from uh, Technicolor back to the uh, the monochrome. Mm-hmm. That was what really captivated me uh, largely watching the film. Uh, the story was um, fairly standard, straightforward stuff, but it was very it – had it was really impactful. I mean, between the, the, uh, the color and the, the – oddly enough, these practical effects they used for the 40s, I was just like really impressed. Um, there's one scene later in the film when they were walking through uh, a doorway, and I was like, "How? How?" Uh, it really caught me off. I had to like go back and watch it over again because I'm like, walking, "How do they do that?" Yeah, where they're walking through the um, through like the the glass door mm-hmm. outside of the operating theater, like when he when they freeze everything, right? Yeah, I had noticed that. Crap. Yeah, that's uh, it's like a, almost like a green screen effect. I think before they really pulled off chroma key stuff right yeah they ended up being like a, a matte painting so they had them walk through the door initially and then uh somebody went back uh and they had an empty door frame and they painted over it um a, an actual like uh window and um, they were able to just like come through and it was just incredible to see it neat yeah i always have more resistance in dreams when i pass through a- when I pass through, like, objects. It's mm. like sticking your fingers in the jello. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, is that so true? <laughs> yeah, when you just want to pass through a wall or something, it's like it's... sticking your fingers into warm jello. It's <laughs> resistance. It's like a dream when you know, like, you know you can fly and you know you're dreaming. Like, oh, I can fly, and you never fucking fly. Yep. Like, that has pissed me off all my life. I have those dreams, too. <laughs> I'll never forget the, yeah, the first time I had a dream where I was flying and I just ended up, like, di- like diving to my death, I believe, and I just woke up after the fact. But I'll never forget the, that dream. It was it was so bizarre, yet it was absolutely incredible at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I can understand how it's funny how you can remember some of those things, but... I mean, I know we're—I know we've watched a movie, so I'm trying to get back to that. But it's just still mm-hmm. like it was so dreamlike, and I can, but I can remember I've had so many surgeries in my life that I can remember every single dream I ever had when I was under anesthesia. But I don't remember them being that good. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a dream under anesthesia. I've never been under anesthesia. Oh hell, it's the I best don't... night's sleep ever. Oh, I, I wish. Even if it's 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I, I didn't grow wisdom teeth. Oh. See, and I was wide awake when they yanked mine out because my insurance at the time wouldn't cover a full, you know, knockout. Shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's shit. not a sound you like. No. I, no. Guess, I guess not, no. <laughs> oh. So... Getting back to the film, um, yes. one of the things that really impressed me too was the fact that the opening story of the film uh, between Peter and June it, it, it strikingly reminded me of the the mini movie that was at the beginning of Up. 
I don't know if you guys remember that, where the you see the the characters uh, mm-hmm. grow up together, they get married, and it's just like this whole like mini movie within the movie. Yeah. Um, watching, oh, yeah. seeing their their love story in the um, matter of life and death, it was it almost reminded me of that, which was actually huh. impressive for its time. I mean, to even have like this like mini love affair just like butt up really quickly. I, say, I and, would say it was much shorter than Ellie and Carl, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, they, they fell madly in love over the course of the longest plane crash in cinema history. <laughs> well, I told you, the plane yeah, was I know. still flying. Yeah, it was held together mostly with hope at that point. It was mostly <laughs> fire and goodwill. Yeah, but it was still up there. It wasn't crashing. Poor Bob. <laughs> Poor Bob. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> he was very good about it, Bob. He just let you... Dead in his eyes, he was like sort of half like ready to flinch his eyes. He was just like, I- I'm dead. I'm dead. And just watching the actor do that, I was very impressed with his ability to be like, you're dead. Don't move your eyes. He's like, Ugh. That happened a couple of times in this movie. Yeah, like the, the freezes in this uh, movie were actually damned impressive. Like yeah, I give the, they did really good with the, the freezing. I agree. They yeah. were frozen today. <laughs> we made that I joke too. I was frozen today. <laughs> Uh, what, oh, uh, what what point was it? Um, there was some. There was like a point later in the movie where she's frozen, and it's like, well, can can we bring her along? And I'm just like, we should. You should they should just pick her up and carry her like a frozen yes. uh, Christopher Lloyd, and just bring her to the trial. <laughs> That's what I was That'd thinking. Be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess using a rose to collect her tear was sufficient. I thought that, that was creative. Cool. I- I that, like that. I thought that, that was really was, neat. That, that, that was ludicrously touch. French, though, is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> is that like speeding up to plaid? I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, like... Now, here, here's my, my question. If they really wanted Carter to just kind of accept what had happened, why'd they send Frenchie McFrencherson and not Bob? Because he's friends with Bob, Bob probably could have talked him into it. Hmm. I don't know how the the laws of uh, the afterlife work, but I mean, basically, conductor of seventy, Grim Reaper, except he just looked really yeah, he, like, he's uh, fabulous. Yeah, he's a French. I gotta save that for fantasy casting. Yeah, I got Did fantasy I, casting. Oh, I lost my head. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think the reason he. Bob didn't go is because Bob didn't have any seniority. Like French dude's been there a while. Yeah, okay. he's in charge, so they had to send him. If they he sent Bob, Bob could just be like, "Fuck it, I'm on Earth." Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think he was on in charge, but yeah, seniority. He was in charge. Though. That was like he his was job. the one who was supposed to go down and grab everybody. He has wait, who, who's like that? A wait, rank. I lost track. Who, whose job? Wait, who had the job? I'm sorry. Uh, Frenchie. The conductor. Conductor. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah Conductor 71. He was the, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he had the actual... Bob... I mean, a lot of these characters, they just had transitioned from uh, living to the afterlife. I mean, if there was, like, a system of, like, getting a job or becoming whatever Conductor 71, you know, like, it, he was actually a Grim Reaper, basically, just you know, to come, right. come and grab your soul. Um, I, I don't know how it worked, but, I mean, the, the, it was like a uh, bureaucracy of sort, the way that it was, like, laid out. I mean... The way you see them appear in the afterlife, I mean, 
uh, just you would never expect having you walk in. It would be like walking through a, like some kind of um, like turnstile thing and be like, okay, on to the next one, guys. I mean, he's got the Coke machine like early on, all the Americans, and they just had to sign off on something. And what I really got a kick out of, too, was as they transition into one of the doorways, they uh, have their wings and a uh, giant plastic bag of some kind, yeah, like an air, air sealed bag. So, like a dry so bag? I was like the, I think that was like the beginning of, of like using plastic material bagging in, in that way or something. And I was trying to like look up information on it. So apparently that was sort of at the beginning of actually using that type of stuff for something huh. of that nature, I guess, I which think was kind of interesting. Plastic was around longer thing. than that. Oh, plastic was, but using plastic, plastic bags. But like to do like it actually like in a clothing. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. yeah. Like dry cleaning. Uh, usage or whatever. I mean, I can't really like suits away. But, you know, little information I got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I can answer that actually, um, because at that time period there was a tremendous amount of excess material, because for so many years we stopped production and went on to the war effort, that we had so much surplus that people started using the plastic, which was actually wrapping up for suits, uniforms supplies or whatever or food and it's like what can we do like okay i'll just put my suit in it and stuff so that's where yeah. that came from nice your grandma tell you that yeah that's, a- that's pretty cool <laughs> let's see what actually, else was- oh. speaking of that actually one other thing i wanted to add to it is says bob i was kind of surprised you didn't mention this but from what i know about you your family it's surprising because to me, like the relationship between um, June and uh, the hell was David Nevin's character? Peter. 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 Kind of seemed similar to stories you told me about your grand, uh, your grandparents. Yeah, no, a li- there's a little bit there to it too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, uh, that that uh, across the uh, the ocean, like the the way yeah. they uh, they met each other, my grandmother from born and raised in Vienna, Austria. Uh, my grandfather, uh, with a Portugal descent, um, he joined the the war after it, and uh, and actually enough World War Two, and um, he made his way to Vienna, where he met my grandmother, and started their uh, lifelong journey together. And and uh, God bless them both for doing it. Awesome. Okay, I gotta, I I gotta ask. Do you think that? this kind of love at first non-sight thing works in this movie or yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, in, in the context of the movie, sure. I would say that was a little fast, you know, even for 40 standards, but in the context of this movie and the fact that it's kind of ridiculous. Sure. Okay. I'll go with it. I mean, the I don't fact think that it was that ridiculous, though. Well, the whole movie is kind of ridiculous because it's about oh, yeah. the bureaucracy of heaven messing up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I won't lie. I mean, yeah, that, that's the actually the great part at the end of the uh, to get all your opinion on whether you think it was that actually happened or if it was a genuine from Peter. But we'll wait to the uh, conclusion of our podcast here before answering that. Uh, let's see, but uh, let's see, that's see. why I mentioned in our chat. Um, there was a British TV show that came out in like the early 2000s called Yes, Life, uh, Life yep. on Mars. Right. 
mm-hmm. which is a great show. But it's basically it took this plot, mixed it up a little bit, and uh, made a TV series out of it. Yeah, um, really. Yeah, it was instead of the forties, it's like this guy who's a police officer, and nineteen seventies in Britain. Well, he's in <laughs> he's in modern day, and then he gets into a car accident, and travels to the seventies. Mm-hmm. And wakes up in the seventies and joins the police force in the seventies. And the entire time, you're not sure if he's in like a coma and this is a coma dream, or if he's actually time traveling. Wow. Yes, it's a wicked, crazy storyline. And occasionally, like he'll be doing something like uh, talking to a witness or watching television. And occasionally he'll start hearing, like, the beeps and sounds of a hospital. And he'll hear, like, his girlfriend that's in the future talking to him. Like, you know, I love you, please come back, you know, all this stuff. And you never really know if he's just delusional or if he's actually in a coma. There's a a game called Driver San Francisco where the concept of it is basically you're hopping around from vehicle to vehicle taking over people or whatever and if you if you back up out of the vehicles far enough like into the sky to get like an overview of the whole city you can faintly hear like a life support machine in the background because it's like you're in some kind of out of body experience coma thing but you're like projecting as a like spirit into this world to steal people's cars or something it's a very similar kind of idea. American wow. Dad had a, a heavenly trial episode too, where Stan wanted to go back to Earth after he died. All right. I just remember the prosecutor was a cherub that got cuter with power. Yes. <laughs> I don't believe I've seen that one. I never, never really got into American Dad. That's good. Did you? Yeah. The game you described, Dan, isn't that the plot for Vertigo? I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I knew that was going to get that reaction. I just had to say that. <laughs> so I can't argue the point. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Yep. For some reason, I kept feeling like I was watching the longest, weirdest episode of M.A.S.H., <laughs> <laughs> it really did have that kind of a feel to it. Uh, just, except when there was the heaven stuff. Well, yeah, the he- but the heaven stuff was just straight up weird. Like everything turned black and white. Although I do like the, the concept that uh, God is a female. Yeah, except that was pretty cool. Yeah. She didn't look anything like Alanis Morissette. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And who was the judge guy anyway? I don't know, but his hair was amazing. Isaac Newton-looking mofo. He was literally... Oh, that was uh, uh, Abraham Sofair. No, no, that's the the, uh, prosecution. We're talking like the actual judge with the really nice hair. Oh, Raymond Massey? Oh, Massey was uh, Abraham Farley, yeah. I don't know. He was like Siegfried and and Roy mixed together. And with a a tiger or two with it. Yeah. Do, would you say that he was Lions a tiger? the ones with the manes, dude. Would you say that he was a tiger king? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> had to get a topical reference. In. It's, like, it's it's glorious. Everyone talking about this show. Meanwhile, I've been listening to podcasts and true crime stuff, and it's just like, man, I knew about this guy for like years before this nonsense went up. I knew about Joe Exotic a long time ago. I still don't know who he is, but I know don't he's worry been... about it. Don't <laughs> worry about You're it. Not, you miss nothing if you don't watch it. It's just completely ridiculous. Wow. Oh. All right, so let's jump back into the movie. Yes, mm-hmm. movie. Cool. <laughs> let's do uh, let's do the, uh, the I'll do like a, a little summary of the film. So this was my interpretation of it. So we we open on Earth, May second, nineteen forty five. No, Days. we open in space. Yeah, oh, we open in space. Yeah, there's a narration and it's all painted and yeah, and I keep th- expecting yes. an angel named Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> And this thing over here, that's one of these things. And, oh, look at that little thing. Looks like a cone. That's pretty neat, huh? And, and I was like, where are the Jetsons? Come on, you all just expect Neil deGrasse Tyson, stuff. <laughs> Earth is green. Didn't you guys know that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's in the swampy. 60s, it might have been. I'm oh, sorry. In the 40s, it might have been still. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's You're all like, dirt oh, shit brown now. Exactly, yeah. Well, anyway, once you get past that part of it, then they open on May 2nd, yes, 1945, yes. days before the end of the Second World War, where we see pilot squadron leader Peter Carter, who's played again by David Niven, flying back to Britain after a bombing raid. He's not going to make it, no. attempting to return safely to Britain, having been hit presumably in air fight with uh, the Germans during the war. Peter is, of course, without his parachute. And his got, co-pilot bobbles. Yes, it got blowed up. And also the yeah, I, I really don't understand the whole parachute the thing. But blowed up. He, he let yeah. the other people go, even though his parachute was destroyed, and it would mean the end of him. Yeah. Something like that. Something well, to that he told them all to jump out, but although a lot of them didn't make it. His companion, that guy was dead. He must have had a parachute on him. He might have, but he was, like, run through and very dead. Depending on how he had gotten hit, it might have torn the parachute to shreds, too. Uh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I wish we would have more information on Bob. He just kind of lies there dead with his eyes open, and it's like, Bob doesn't have a parachute. Peter doesn't. And then when we see see Bob later, he's just there, and he's got a fantastic mustache. What ho, everyone, what ho. What ho. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. It was pretty good. All right, so Peter radios his final position to a U.S. Air Force base in England, and oddly enough, he comes into contact with air control operator named June, played again by Kim Hunter, answers his call. The pilot asks her to contact his family, preferably his mother. And his two While he sisters. lovingly flirts with Kim and his two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> knowing he is going to die. In this instant, they both fall madly in love with the sound of each other's voice. Honestly, as Peter recites poems and that Kim part just, was actually yeah. super romantic. Honestly, yeah. it, was it was very super sweet. romantic. Yeah. He fell in love with ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see her crinkling no whatever into the microphone. 
God, it's the sound when I touch it. Ah, <laughs> if I wasn't afraid of messing with the levels, I'd scrape my fingernails on the microphone. What? But you cut out. You cut, yeah. If I wasn't afraid of messing with sound levels, I'd scrape my nails across the microphone. But yeah, nobody <sighs> wants that. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> but I guess he just wants to hear somebody before he dies. Yeah. Yeah, I just got a kick out of the voice. Yeah. Just got a kick out of exciting poetry the whole time. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's not the most stereotypical British way to go out. Oh yeah. Mm. Radio somebody and just politely like, can you please go ahead and just tell my mother and my two sisters I love her, and let me tell you some poetry. <laughs> It's pretentious as fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me pour tea before I jump out. People used to memorize poems back then or something rather than just song lyrics. Well, I mean, there, yeah. was, there wasn't TV when you really get down to it. So, I mean, they yeah. had nothing better to do than, like, memorize Keats. <laughs> well, you gotta remember, I know, too. During, like, uh, the 1800s. Are red, violets are blue. A lot of um, a lot of poets group. and stuff were really, really like important. That's how people talked at each other. Yeah, people went to poetry <laughs> readings not as I mean, a that, beatnik that, sort uh, of thing, but as a like evening out. That was entertainment back in the day. Yeah. I mean, we got we have TV they didn't fuck, and they just phones threw and whatnot. Poetry at each other. Seriously, yeah. there'd be like a night of it. They'd have like drinks and dinner and then they'd retire Slam to poetry. like a living room and recite poetry at each other Beans, it's Beans, what you did for heart. a saturday night how exciting i Ooh. know i thought people would go out dancing no dancing in england you <sighs> did that very specifically <clears throat> on very specific days in very specific places. Only on Wednesdays. No, at seven. um, Almax was Thursdays, I believe. Um, well. and that was only for like the creme de la creme and hmm. very like you have to be of a certain age, uh, whether or not you're available, um, meaning for marriage in the marriage mart. Um, and if you were living in the country, I believe they were Saturdays and they were open to everybody. Wow. Hmm. And there were many different types of dances. I could get really, really detailed. I'm not going to. <laughs> well, they could have gone to a sock hop, perhaps. Uh, no, that's in the 60s. In that was the 50s. 50s, 50s oh, I'm sorry. Okay. 50s, yeah. How about a hoot nanny? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. That's a hoot nanny. Oh, no. Hoot nanny. Oh, no. <laughs> I just remember you weren't allowed to waltz unless you were betrothed or married. Because you got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, basically. (laughs) You got too close when you waltzed. It was like very like... they were so restricted back in the day. Oh, wicked. Wicked. Sheesh. I just remembered somebody going to a dance and they're trying to pick up a girl going... Hey, honey, have you heard you tell the story of a man from Nantucket? <laughs> well, a lot of poetry was actually really dirty. Let's say, yeah, dirty limericks is about the best I could have hoped for. If but I was that's, in that that's something that men would whisper in women's ears. It wasn't. Once was a man from Nantucket? Something body poetry. 
Yeah. If you wanted to get a girl to blush and, you know, sweat a little, I guess. Uh, like tell, her, tell her a dick joke, essentially. So we went from roses are red, violets are blue to my anaconda don't want none. Yes. Yep. Roses are red, violets are blue, Pornhub is down, your Facebook will do. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually trying to look up 40s poem while we're talking about this, too. <laughs> like, I don't know about 40s poetry. Um, I just know that the Mostly classic stuff... Mostly weren't a thing yet. No, right? yeah. um, but Lloyd Byron was, and he was massive. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I'm sure, they, I'm sure he Literally said that to all the famous. ladies. He was famous. Uh-oh. <laughs> a summary of a classic World War II poem This was from Keith Douglas He described poetry as Extrospective uh, near, Neat coinage designed And one of the most celebrated Poems of the time And I'm going to butcher this, I'm really sorry It looks German Virgis mein ich and uh, the poem reads, Three weeks gone and the combatants gone. Returning over the nightmare ground, we found the place again. There's no love in this. And found the soldier sprawling in the sun, the frowning barrel of his gun overshadowing. As we came on that day, he hit my tank with one like the entry of a demon. Yeah, that's sexual right there. Look, here say, in that's the, what uh, she said. Yeah, that's, that's totally, uh, come on. Here in the uh, gun pit spoiled the dishonored picture of his girl who has put... Steffi, I guess that's her name. Then here we go, got that German word. Virgis mein ich in a copy book gothic script. And it goes on from there, but it really looks sad to just, uh, I'm not going to read the rest of it. So let's, not, <laughs> let's not read that. Yeah. So, anyway. so, so Back mean, to the movie. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so meanwhile, we go from like quoting poetry at each other or one way poetry because June's just kind of sitting there going, what? <laughs> Um, so in the 40s, we go from the qu poetry quoting to nowadays where I saw posted by the time clock at work a poem that somebody wrote about being an essential employee. Uh, it's like, what is what, what has happened to poetry these days? And more to the point, who's who is an essential employee that has time to write this nonsense? Clearly not essential. Sorry, I just had a poetry moment earlier today and it just... Made me mad. My favorite poetry was from uh, 22 Jump Street, I think, when uh, whatever the, the character he was at, the uh, slam poetry. That was, I don't know if you guys remember. I can't think of anything I off the top of my head, one. but yeah, that, yeah. Was my, that was my favorite scene one. in that movie. Oh, man, you got to watch the second one. I don't know why they never made a third one, but I guess there's a reason, I guess, at the end of the second one, but I don't want to give it away if people haven't watched it so i don't want to say i have not yes yeah and right. uh, i'm not really a poetry guy like at all but as far as poems go is the anybody? one i actually what's that no. <laughs> is anybody uh, yeah they're called songs now well yeah but as far as as far as poems go if there's going to be one that i actually enjoy it's going to be the hangman uh i don't know what? if any I, I don't i can't i can't quote it but it's the whole uh first they came for 
these people on my I lost block, you. and I oh, did. Anyway. Yeah, first they came for these people on my block, and I did not stand up for them because I was not of this group. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it just it go. It's like a long poem goes through like a hangman had come into town and takes all these different ethnic groups and takes them to be hung. And the guy who's telling the the poem doesn't stand up for any of them because he's not Jewish, he's not Spanish, he's not any of this. And then finally when they came for him, there was no one left to stand up for him because he stood up for no one else. Mm. How old is that? Um, I want to say it's from around the time of... No, it's a good question. I'll look it up. There's a fan in the background. I can hear that. Yes. Well, he doesn't like me trying to be poetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gino, shush, I think the most interesting part is when, you know, when they first transition to heaven. Oh, back to the movie. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering, like, what's going on. But Everything turns black and white. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Symbolism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, wait, oh, yeah. Times. So back, should, I, should I jump back into my summary? I apologize. Oh, good. Yeah, go for it. All right. So it's off from uh, this amazing uh, infatuation and falling in love with June. He jumps out of his Lancaster bomber plane, and he was believed at the time to be plummeting to his death. And then splash, I, splash, exactly. So should he have? So here's my question: Should do you guys think he? Um, should he have died as a result of that? Because apparently this film was based, I don't know, it's not completely a true story, but the, the fact that there was an RAF pilot who, had, I guess, did jump from his plane and apparently did survive sometime back in the, the 40s, which inspired Powell and Pressburger to uh, include this or make uh, the film out of it, was a reality. So do you think people who fall out of plane should should live or should you die? It has happened. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. There was this girl, not that long ago, actually, maybe about 10 years ago or so, um, she was skydiving. Uh, and she was pregnant. She didn't know. Oh, God. Um, she jumped. Her parachute failed. Uh, she hit the Use ground. Use baby as a parachute? What? Use the baby as a parachute? I guess so. Um, <laughs> she hit the ground. She was perfectly fine, except for, like, a couple of broken bones but that's it mm-hmm. um baby was fine eight months later she gave birth she's still alive she oh, fell from like five thousand feet and she lived huh. it is possible probable no yeah, highly unlikely but possible but possible yes it is it is remarkable the kinds of things the human body can survive and it is also remarkable the tiny little things that can utterly destroy uh the human body Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. One I of the like things to think that, the water helped, but apparently landing in water from it's high like hitting like concrete. concrete. Yeah, if you yeah. hit water at a high enough speed, it's no different than solid ground. I mean, anybody who swam in a pool, pool, um, you've belly flopped before, right? Ooh. No. Oh, yes. yes. Okay, that's painful, right? <laughs> Very painful. That's why I wouldn't do it. But yep. that's the, well, you don't do you don't belly flop on purpose. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's usually, you, know, you fall wrong. Or it's like usually you're trying something else fancy and it goes sideways and you're just like, uh oh, bang! It's like you hit the water. There's a big splash and then you sink. Yeah, <laughs> service tension. Yep. 
One of the things I've always remembered uh, from this one movie that's terrible, and I, I don't really recommend one side of this one thing, was from a film uh, R.I.P.D. with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't think of it uh, at the moment. Josh Brolin, I think. Yeah, it was one of those guys. Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges, yeah. Jeff Bridges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'll never forget, uh, he teaches uh, Ryan Reynolds' character. He goes, because um, he was in the process of falling through something, he goes, remember, relax the body. And every in throughout the film, he's, at one point, I think it was a Ryan Reynolds character. He goes, "Oh yeah, relax the body." <laughs> As he's falling to his death, and I always thought, like, I should remember that if you're ever going to fall to your death, just relax your body, so maybe you won't crush your uh, whatever the hell you got, and well, hopefully you don't die. <laughs> um, doesn't it help? Ever... Or maybe it's a good general rule. I don't know. It is actually. Um, if you're on like a a stage actor and you have to fall, they tell you, and you actually have to learn how to fall correctly because if you tense up when you fall you're more likely to hurt yourself yeah that's cool that's why in a drunk driving accident the drunk driver is more likely to survive because their body is relaxed so they don't immediately they don't like generally don't tense up right before the right before the hit uh, yeah that's true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. it doesn't make Rather sense rather than yeah. to be available for ironic uh karmic punishment yeah yeah mm. I actually talked about this too, Nick. It reminds me of uh, when we were, I think there were, um, I was always a chicken shit to do it. Um, we had to learn how to fall from a uh, yes. standing position. Yes. We were, uh, we, were, we were taught like you uh, kind of roll backwards almost, but you want all the tension to be, uh, you, or the focus of where you want your, uh, any uh, pain or whatever to be, will be uh, closer to the shoulder blades because you don't want to like snap your neck back or anything and do anything to create that damage and give yourself a concussion. So, just talking about this takes me back to just looking at everybody do a really good job, and I was like scared shit. Like I'm gonna die. I'll, Dude, I'll, I'll snap you. my neck. <laughs> I'll be like my concussion. I did something wrong. Or, I don't Dude, know. <laughs> I'm not afraid of much, but I'm afraid of falling. Yeah. So that well, would yeah. terrify me. Yeah. Like I have no problem with heights. Honestly, I could look down and be like, whatever. But. Mm. Whoa. Climbing a ladder? I'm, like, terrified. Mm. Yeah. When Kaz and I used to do uh, improv classes, when uh, they used to call me Pratt, the joke is I used to fall, and I used to fall. just fall on the floor. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll be the fall. Like, he's the fall guy. first <laughs> 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 Pratt was a thing. It's just like, yep. classic Nick. <laughs> 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 well, you brought back a lot of memories with that, dude. I totally forgot about the falls. Yeah, all this we're talking about, man, just kind of brought back I the memory of it. I can't get up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll never not be funny. <laughs> nice. Well, can I just be... say that the yeah. whole point of him not dying is because of London fog? Yeah, because of shitty London weather. It's <laughs> <This is> hysterical. <laughs> Yes, that's why the uh, the conductor didn't uh, pick up on the fact that uh, he captured him in the process of dying because uh, due to the London fog. The fog so. was way too thick. He couldn't see him. He was like, oh, oops. Just because he's a psychopomp doesn't mean he has superpowers like mm-hmm. night vision, I guess. Yeah. Eh, good point. But he has a really cool stick. I, I, I really like the uh, the shape of it. It reminded me of the 
you see the Technicolor, it has this like really beautiful emerald green uh, tone to it. I want to lick it and be like, what flavor is that? It looks like candy, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yes. The strawberries it's taste or like lime. strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to the film. So Peter miraculously, miraculously survives the fall exiting the sea, uh, removing his uh, fatigues, I believe they're called, as he travels the sandy beach he's thinking i'm dead i'm clearly in heaven and magically somehow and a naked shepherd boy naked guides him why <laughs> right yeah I don't, I don't understand why, why there was a naked ra- a random that appeared that, that i did not get who needs clothes when you have goats i mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm just sitting there going why is that kid naked and he's just fine with it? it he's just there like i thought he was in like limbo or some shit there's gonna be some art like cut out I thought this was going to be some, like, nouveau artistic thing. I thought he was in, like, limbo or something. It was like, no, no, he's on Earth. It's just that kid's just naked. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't figure out why he was naked. I still don't. I just remember Family Guy or something. Family Guy where uh, Carter, Peter Smith. Oh. Is uh is, is uh, walking around. I don't remember the whole gist of the episode, mm-hmm. but Peter Griffin's standing in his house naked. He's like, "Why are you naked in my house, Griffin?" He goes, "Why aren't you naked?" <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just kind of happy he didn't look at the kid and go, "Oh, are we not supposed to wear clothes now?" Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a thing I would have looked. It's Friday, guys. Everybody, you know, just get naked. It's Friday. Casual Friday. It's re- very, really, casual. really casual Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Incredibly casual Friday. And goats, too. Goats. Bring your goat to work to say, and be naked day. Yeah. I was about to say, I think I saw a porn like this, but not with goats. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it was funny that the dog tried to go with him and the shepherd boys were like, Oi, get back here. <laughs> Dog's like, no, new friend. I could, somebody with clothes, I should follow him. June just <laughs> happens to be passing by on a motorcycle. Yes, the reluctance of uh, June uh, passing by on her bicycle, as she had mentioned too in her radio transmission, that mm-hmm. she, does, uh, she does cycle at some point. So uh, Peter reluctantly uh, walks into her on the beach. And um, they discover one another's voice, and they're instantly brought back to that moment when they, they fell in love over the radio. And there it is. So they're just like that. The relationship it's was called, right there. It's called trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Okay. It's a real thing. Okay, I got to bring up something really stupid. Sure. Stupid on okay. Because this reminded me of an episode of Married with Children where Peg's mom was running a sex hotline (laughs) by the name of Butter. And Al found out and all of his friends didn't know. At the very end, they found out she's like, she walks out, she's like, it's me, Butter. And I just, I mean, it's it's a very romantic part, but I'm laughing incredibly inappropriately. (laughs) 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 About that one moment. What does that have to do with anything? It was just funny. It's like they fell in love with their voice. Right. (laughs) It just so happens that these two happen to be like 
typically attractive. Mm-hmm. See, my line just goes to uh, no, my mind goes to Rocco's modern life. Oh baby, oh baby, oh baby, <laughs> Rocco, <laughs> Mrs. Bighead. Uh, I did not get that when I was a child, but now I do. I see what you did there, Rocco. <laughs> but going back to what you were saying, Jocelyn, um, mm. the about the trauma, the one, the thing that comes to mind, and I learned this from uh, Dr. Emmett Brown. Thank you very much, Dr. Brown. Um, the uh, Florence Nightingale effect is when um, uh, the patient would fall in love with the nurse. I know I don't know if it's necessarily trauma related, but that's the only other happenstance I can I can think of in which um, somebody would randomly. Um, similar but different. Um, you've seen the movie Speed, right? Uh, yes. Trauma bonding would yeah, be. She what... actually mentions it at the end. Oh, these these okay. kind of things never last, and then in Speed Two, they're not together anymore. It's it's trauma bonding. It's uh, you go through something together that was traumatic, so you have like this, you know, feeling that okay, this person knows what I went through. So it's easier to bond with them. Yeah, whether it's whether it's a good thing to bond with that person or not. Right. Like if you go through something traumatic with someone, it's gonna create. I mean, that's the the war buddy thing from like mm-hmm. you know people who fought in a war together. The the war buddy bond is a huge thing. Like that's that's a connection I'm that sorry, is. I lost you. I'm sorry, I lost you again. Yeah, you cut out. All right, how much did I cut out there? Because I was saying the war buddy thing. Like, if, you, if you're... you still cutting out. All right. Uh, he's talking about, like, war buddies. You're When you're in, like, war together, you stick together. You go through all this stuff. You right. tend to stay friends after the war. It's trauma. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yep. Well, that's pretty cool. Life, too. Why am I here? Oh, sorry. Anyway, so, um, yes. I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm not used to this. So, with the help of uh, local doctor, uh, Frank Reeves, uh, who June happens to be very good acquaintance with, she asks him for assistance to help with Peter, who uh, kindly obliges and also has a really cool telescope uh, device. Camera Obscura. Camera Obscura, thank you very much, Kaz, yeah. Which is something that he can see over the town uh, that they're in, which is the, I guess, the American base uh, off of, was it Lee Wood, which was uh, the shore that, uh, the sandy shore that uh, Peter's character was walking on into this uh, small village. And uh, you can see, it's really fascinating, too, the fact that you're looking at the dynamic of the heaven overseeing, and earlier in the film, when they look down, they're looking through these gigantic circles over what they call the database, I guess. And here we see the uh, camera obscura, which similar shaped. It's obviously a giant circle, and you can see uh, what uh, Doctor Reeves sees. Yeah, it's basically the Power Rangers viewing globe. Yes, good, good point. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, the like, viewing globe. Yeah, he's looking down over like the city, and like the cameras panning back and forth. I'm like, he's going to cast a spell on somebody. Just watch. <laughs> this is what's happening here. He, he's he's where's Rita Repulsa? <laughs> Make my monster grow. <laughs> well, and I really uh, so once uh, Doctor Reeves uh, takes up uh, the call for Peter, that one of the next scenes, which is really fascinating, and it, it brings a lot of the the film together, so it feels very critical to the film. 
is we see a um, an ensemble of uh, midnight summer. I'm not saying it wrong. Summer midnight dream or uh, midnight, midnight summer dream. Midsummer night's dream. Midsummer night's, summer night's dream. dream. Thank you. Yep. So they're obviously creating this like play in the the ba- the, uh, the background, and then also um, Peter and June are playing a game of chess. And uh, this is also something that is a a callback of sort because we end up meeting Conductor Seventy One. We met them. Can you recall if it was prior to this scene or after? Yeah, it was this before scene? that. It, it was before, before that. that. Yeah. And we we hear uh, the conductor right at the end of their uh, conversation. He goes, do you like to play chess? And uh, Peter's like, yes. He goes, we can play it every day. And Peter's like, I'll hold off on that. He's like, yeah. Now, the reason... (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm good. The reason the conductor comes down in the first place is while while they're up in heaven with all the bureaucracy and, you know, filling out forms and everything, Bob is waiting for Carter to show up, and he never does. And, you know, they keep saying, we've never made a mistake. And and Bob's like, well, In a no. thousand years. A thousand years, there hasn't been a mistake. <laughs> yeah, so there was a mistake. Here's the one mistake. That one. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but he's supposed to be here. Well, he's not, but he's supposed to. And then later on, you see, like, not even later on, like, next scene, you see the expected number of, of dead, 91,000 some odd, like, think yeah. about that. That's in one day. <laughs> Man. It's all over the world. Yeah, well... It's also World War Two. It's not over yet, so it's like that's hot damn, and it's one shy of what they were expecting. So it's like, yes. oh hey, we don't make mistakes here. Wait a minute, there's one. <laughs> I like the whole. If there really was like a mistake, that, yeah. there'd be an alarm, and then there's an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that there should have been more response to it, but I mean, the fact that they're just like, wait, 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 wait this one. Never one just too too uptight and too believing that they're of perfection and um, clearly they're not. But either way, um, I want, but you want, guys want to talk about the uh, scene with the conductor a bit more in depth because I didn't realize that. Oh, actually, I did want to talk about him further into the uh, the program. But uh, I just like that he kept like referring to the fact that he has no head. Yeah, yes. he's constantly wears the neckerchief around so you don't see the the cut because you know he lost his head during the revolution it's like huh okay i see what happened here so we're gonna send this french dandy down to talk the Mm -hmm. uh the very british uh like bomber pilot guy into going back to heaven with him it's just like um are we sure that's gonna work Yeah, and it clearly doesn't because Peter is very much against even choosing to uh, go with them. Uh, I really liked the one thing uh, he says in that scene that stuck out to me was uh, it was, uh, how do you say it? Let's just pull it up here real quick. He said it was space. They were communicating in space, not time. So uh, the fact that he was able to stop time and they, and Peter had to somehow understand the concept that they're not talking right now in time. They're talking in space, so clearly establishing some scientific understanding that within the span of time there is space. So within this like gap that I guess which is being uh, withheld, or I'm not sure if that time was actually moving very incrementally, or I mean, because I feel like in films that we see of uh, modern day, whenever there is uh, some type of stopgap or some type of something that happens, people. 
Like, for example, the character The Flash, he's moving so quickly, but uh, at the same time, people are moving, like, very, very micro-incrementally, so small, so petty, you don't even notice it. Yes. I think it's a little (laughs) bit different, though. I think time on Earth was stopped, but time for Peter wasn't. Because... Yeah, I agree with you because it's like he was supposed to be dead. Right. So at this yeah. point, when like he's talking man. to the conductor, right. um, time isn't time is moving there with the two of them, but time on Earth has stopped because when he comes back, it's been like less than a millisecond for June, and he's like. Well, while you were sleeping. And she's like, I haven't been sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. I was resting my eyes. <laughs> but there has been no time difference for her. But for him, there's been like 10 minutes because he's been talking to this other guy. Because it all happened right. in the span of like her blinking her eyes. Like she, yeah. she closed her eyes in a blink and stopped. And then she finished when uh, the conductor left. Right, because he, he uh, at the time that they had stopped, he had just uh, gone to ask her if she wanted uh, a drink a or drink. something. And yeah. she was answering the question, and he's like, And he had what? forgotten what he asked. And he's like, oh, wow, that, that, that happened, that's right. <laughs> and so that, and he's like, oh, I'm caught the actual time of it. So. Mm-hmm. so the fact that he can, I don't know if it's necessarily him, well, actually, uh, he, he's like a man in between time. Yeah. Because that there establishes the whole concept of space, so. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. He's like a time lord, but not quite, but kind He's of. He's a time lord with no. I was waiting for that. Yes. So yeah, it was inevitable to uh, come up. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So continuing on, um, yeah, Peter. Uh, that that scene where we, uh, which is like a crossroad for the film, where you have the the play going on the, on the background. They're sitting playing chess. Doctor Reeves is uh, introduced to Peter, and they have their interaction where Doctor Reeves is. He's trying to, he's not only just talking to him, he's trying to uh, have a better understanding of what happened to him. Peter describes, he asks him if you have headaches, and Peter is hesitant, almost want to respond. Um, he asks, like, uh, one thing that really piqued me about that scene, too, was how he established when he notices something, uh, he, he has a smell. And mm-hmm. uh, the smell was uh, fried onion. Whenever uh, the appar- an apparition would appear, which was obviously Conductor 71, from that so, previous scene. So he smells quite... like onion rings. <laughs> exactly. Beer flavored. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. You can never go wrong with a lot delicious. of cheese on that French onion soup. Yum, yum. See, that, that's yum, something yum. else I could make on Monday. Yeah, you could make French onion soup. I could. Mm. Anyway. Use the soup to make the dip. <laughs> mozzarella. Mm, lots of mozzarella. But anyway, also anyway, in the same time, which is uh, fascinating too, there's also a piano playing background at one point that's playing the theme song of Heaven, which is sort of a theme that plays throughout the movie vaguely. And it's watching Peter. This was actually prior to that conversation. He picks up on it. So all these like little pieces in the film that seem to indicate something of significance to Heaven so that Peter seems to sort of pick up on it, the fact that he's... Playing a game of chess, he hears the this uh, uh, piano uh, playing this song that represents heaven. It's all these like little things that are. So, 
that that are a callback to the fact that um, that represent heaven. And in the same time, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about what you were saying earlier, Jocelyn, about uh, the the program, um, the life on Mars, and how that the character has those vague callbacks to uh, the present time, where when he's stuck in the the 70s, and here we have Peter stuck in the present time, and he's being called back to heaven at the same time, and having those inclinations or those sensations that they're something else trying to like pull him uh, out of his current state and take him where he should have been to begin with so right. it's a very very fascinating scene how it tries to bring together all these different elements that it's really the um it really kind of binds together the the film um as it continues forward well i like the so fact after that, that right there it starts asking questions like you sh- you're supposed to start asking questions because you're you're told that this doctor um, he's like a head of neurologists. Like he is, there's not much he doesn't know about the human brain. And he's asking him all these questions about like, okay, you get a headache right here. You have this sense of smell for this. And it was pleasant, not terrible. And then, you know, you're losing time, but time hasn't been moved. Um, so he's basically narrowing it down going okay he's got this this brain issue there's a there's something wrong there and i can pinpoint what's wrong but at the same time uh, the audience knows at least from peter's perspective and from what we know off screen heaven is in conflict because they're trying to get him back so at that time you're going Okay, so is it a brain problem or is it actually heaven? Which mm-hmm. one is going on? Right. Or is it both? Right, and so that's the, the central you question. Yeah, but, that's, right. that's the ambiguity of it because yeah. realistically it could go any direction, really. Right. Right. But that's why I like that scene. Mm-hmm. Because it's establishing okay, there's an actual physical problem as well as a metaphysical problem. Right, yeah. and, and you mentioned like the, the theme being played on the piano in the background being the same as the music you hear in heaven. See, I didn't notice that because I, I, I swear to God, Bob, you watch, you watch movies way more actively than I do because for, something, for me to notice something like that, you kind of have to bludgeon me over the head with it. That's one of those like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> yeah, no that that scene. Um, I, I well, I have to admit, I did watch um, several times. <laughs> I don't. I, I kind of lost track of how many I, I've watched it, but every time I watch it, there's something new that draws me into the movie, and I don't know. It just. I never. I, I never thought uh, that I would watch this movie and go, "Wow, I love this movie." Really, that I even like that much. Every time I watch it, I'm just so brought back into it i'm just like blown away how these guys developed this film and all these the little detail they put into it and a scene like this where they're putting all these like little things and i think one of the other fascinating things uh the director of photography was uh peter cardiff a very popular uh director of uh, photography back for his time um but he worked a lot with uh, powell and pressburger on previous films they did and uh some thereafter and how I think one of the fascinating things in the scene was how they're able to have um, these characters uh, practicing for a play in the background while also in the foreground we, we're focused on Peter 
and June and Dr. Reeves uh, having a game of chess. So seeing all these like elements or all these things happening at once on scene for that time, I mean, it's not even like a high def camera or anything. Or so how they able to like like uh, have that that focus between the two and have uh, it was just really a fascinating. That scene is just incredible. Like how they're able to conceive it, all the little detail they put into it, and how it stitches together the the central part of the film, and then when you go from there. I just like, I like the way it was written. I like the way that it made me think. Mm-hmm. I liked movies that make me think. Yeah, this was a thinker. Yeah. So yeah I have to admit, I do ha- have a, a bit of apprehension whenever we're watching an older movie. And I know that's kind of the whole gist of this podcast. But like, you know, <laughs> mov- movies from the 40s and, and like the 50s and even ones back, you know, from the 30s. I always have a little bit of apprehension to just be like, man, man, I'm, this is going to be boring. I don't, and, yeah. okay, some older movies are, are like that, but I, I, I was into this one. Not so much okay. into the, into the French guy, but, you know, sure, okay, fine. But, <laughs> but he was funny. Like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the character for what he was, because he kept mentioning that he lost his head, and then later on, I, like, at the end of the movie, he goes, did I ever mention to you about my operation? <laughs> yeah, that, it's just like little little things like the little side bits like that like for I don't know for whatever reason it's in my head and it like always has been that like older like 40s movies are just gonna be like staid and boring and blah and I don't know just, just yeah okay some but not all of them an abruptly ending yeah they all yeah. abruptly oh. end the one thing about some of these movies that I just is a thing that I coined and we put it on our Instagram is it's unnecessary violence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where it's are just, these violins coming from? Yeah. It's just movies like that. Like, I get it. Like, you see Casablanca. Casablanca did it right. But when you see in movies, all of a sudden there's this violin, like, this is supposed to be a romantic moment, or this is supposed to be a moment of suspense. I'm like, let us figure it out. Right. Like, Are you asking for there to be no soundtrack to movies? No, no, I'm not saying that, but it's just like, it's the same violin. <laughs> Almost always. You mean kind of like how reality shows have that? Yeah! Yes. Exactly. Or it's sort of like the scary cousin to the Sam is in going into Clarissa's window sound. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Or I absolutely a, agree. Uh, but it's, when you hear that same sound, or it's like, or it's like you see, you hear some supernatural. All of a sudden, you hear like that one girl chorus thing, like. Ah. Or when something epic happens, just. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that one was Inception started that. I don't know if Inception started it, but it's it's everywhere. They still have oh, yeah. Mass Effect. Or they have the um, or they have if they want a, a movie trailer to be creepy, they just have like. Huh? If they want a movie trailer to be creepy, they just have one little girl singing like "What a Wonderful World" very slowly or something. Yes. And you just hear like this, there's yeah. explosions in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I really that really does bother me how a lot of today's cinema they've taken all these great classic songs and they have some some nobody playing this acoustic version of it or very like stripped down and it's, it's like 
I don't want to hear you. I really don't yeah. want to hear you sing me that. Just stop. I, I, I don't like it. It takes away from the enjoyment of the trailer. And yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I, I am so t- tired of being uh, like set up to be like, oh, if you hear the noise coming, that means uh, the big, that big explosion is going to happen. Yeah, today's right. film is so, so we're, we're like trained as an audience to be like, we know this thing's going to happen at this time because we heard a sound or because of this. Whereas like these films of yesteryear, they didn't have that. You you watched the movie and you felt what you felt because that was the ride that they put you on and how how you felt was up to you. It was like today's cinema is all about we're telling you where you should feel like the oh wow or the oh I'm sad or oh I'm happy this is great or whatever the whatever you're feeling at that. That's, that's the job of the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, now you mentioned or the, Disney. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned the unnecessary violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if we move this stuff up to like '70s movies, do we get like sax and violence? Is <laughs> the unnecessary saxophone? I thought that was more '80s. That oh, was yeah. no '70s is more yeah. Uh, yeah. funk. Just let's put funk in everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. it was a '70s cop show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very Starsky and Hutch style. Yeah. That's yeah. True. But it's just the violins in the 40s movies. It's just like the only one who did it right was Casablanca. Like the the very end when they're saying goodbye to each other and the little people are are are, are taking the plane away and they're and they're heading off and they're getting out like okay, I get that. I get it, but they they did it the right thing, but just like when you see some of these and all of a sudden the violin comes on, I'm like I'm kind of, it takes me out for a moment. Yeah. That's just me. No, 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 I get what you mean, though. More like in any modern movie, when you hear the Wilhelm scream, it's just like, it it's makes me realize, yep, that's, this is definitely a movie. It's like, you, you get that one thing, it's just like, well, I was into it, now I'm out. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, there's the Wil- Wilhelm scream. Uh, there's oh, the yeah. standard baby cry. Yep. Uh, there's, there's like three different sounds for that. There's also the standard uh, uh, cop, uh, like uh, police radio chatter. Yeah. Where yes. it says like yeah. 105 Northampton. Better to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's every everything that has police radio in it, you're going to hear that phrase, the 105 Northampton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. I'm <laughs> yeah, I remember the first when I first heard that. Let's see, the first time I recognized what was being said in that was in an old-school DOS um, pinball game that I had on, on my first computer. And, like, one of the tables... Yeah, one of the tables was, like, police-themed, and every time you hit a certain, uh, like, target, that, that like, little bit of radio chatter would go off, and it just, it just stuck in my head forever, and I notice it in everything now. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, mine was like a Spider-Man comic maker thing on computer. Yeah. I'm not surprised if it'd be in there, too. It's probably one of those, um, was I guess, uh, no like uh, royalty-free sound bites that's just everywhere. Yeah. True. I was like, did we lose you guys? No, we're good. Okay. No, I'm still here. I just get more confused because I'm sorry. I'm just gonna screw it up. But I, I'll hear you guys, and all of a sudden, bleh, bleh, bleh. sorry, I, I stay quiet a lot of times because it sounds like you're still trying to make a comment, and I'm like, so I don't respond. 
And so, and sometimes, I don't know if that's on my end or I'm not, that's throwing off my. Uh, that's, that's just the joy of recording online. The whole thing, like sometimes, oh, okay, you, okay. sometimes robot, yeah. robot keeps out. I'm sorry, I don't mean to like be quiet, but I keep feeling like you're still saying something. I'll be like, yeah, I'm just trying to listen for the for some reason another where Dan's sitting. If it's I, not picking up him. If I touch the table, yeah, if I touch the table in any way, shape, or form, I cut out. I don't know why, because electronics. Uh. I don't know. I'm gonna tell you just <laughs> sit back like six inches from the table. Okay. Like, Am I too loud? No, I think it's just I don't know if it's the reverb or what, right. but it's not picking you up like that. But if you sit where I am, where I'm not nowhere near the table. Okay. I'm not really cutting out. Yeah, but I'm a fidget. I'm gonna do things. I know that's the problem. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so where uh, where are we? We're oh yeah, uh, sorry, back to, to the film. Talking to the doctor, figuring so, out. So yeah, how, we just yeah. yeah we just finished the, the the central important scene in the film. Then we Peter being brought back to Doctor Reeves' home with June, and they uh, Peter is uh, taking a nap and is like. Uh, library of sorry surrounded with this gorgeous bookcase and we have this really nice camera where we uh, we're taking around him as he's laying taking a nap he also noticeably has a a bell next to him so should anything um be of concern either he needs their assistance or something disturbing happens like an apparition appear he can like ring the bell and hey guys come flying in the room and check out this weird thing that keeps happening to him but um as uh kim i'm sorry uh june and Dr. Reeves are playing ping pong. They all of a sudden stop. They freeze in place. They do very well at it. And the ball stops in space as well, which I thought was yes. cool. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah. I like what Dr. Reeves' face. He was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, I think they did a really good job with that. Because you could tell that they had stopped the film. And then they would cut back to um, Peter's face. Then go back right. to the stop film. But then there'd be a scene where Peter is, you know, you see the back of him, and the two actors are standing there, but you can't really see their face because we're further away, so they're obviously standing still, and it was just a really good shot. And I'm just watching it like my arms are getting tired watching them do this. (laughs) (laughs) No, they did a really good job freezing in place, and I... I really enjoyed how uh, Conductor Seventy One. He's just how he appears, just like standing next to the uh, the, the frame of the uh, the home. Uh, he's just kind of like peering out, and he's like uh, shadowing and looking at Peter. And Peter's like half awake, half uh, asleep, and he kind of like notices him. He's like, just attempt to ring the bell. And he rings the bell, and then he like scares the crap out of him. He goes, "Oh my God, you can't hear anything." He's like, "Ring, ring." He's like, he jumps up and he knocks over the bookcase next and, to him. And the books he tries to silently. Say, June, Dr. Reeves, wait, do you guys look, look? And then, of course, Conductor 71 is just uh, like, hey. And then he just uh, he brings back the, the bookcase from all the, uh, the books that had previously fallen on the floor and puts it all. I thought it was great just how he had so much control of the entire scene. And Peter's like, oh, shit, you, I, I have nothing. <laughs> I love the fact that he stole the book. Yes, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Oh man, that was such a great scene. Oh man, it's like that fucker took the book. <laughs> they I do like books the fact in heaven. That, yeah, <laughs> it's all books so on this tape. Is where we learn. Nobody's oh. got a tape deck. <laughs> yes. 
Is this when he finds out about the trial? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this is where he learns that his appeal proved, and he now has days to uh, ready his case. He's allowed to pick anyone who has previously died uh, in heaven, obviously not hell, because who wants somebody from hell to... Uh, well, that's where most of the lawyers right. are going to be. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's allowed to pick anybody he wants, um, and this is a difficult decision. Uh, and then uh, magically, uh, through the period of time, the June and Dr. Reeves return to their 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 physical uh, form of moving, and he has to update them on the occurrence. And at the same time, uh, Peter is being set up for his operation because Dr. Reeves feels very uh, it's very important that uh, it's he's worked on incredibly soon. This takes place over the span of uh, 20 hours or so after his fall from uh, the airplane because I think it's a matter of a day that all this stuff is going on in he between heaven and the transition to uh, Earth where everything's uh, occurring. So it's both it's the cool. fact that he has to ready this trial and he also like has to have this though. major operation. So Didn't he have three days to ready his case? Yes. And yeah, then but I, the I mean, they mentioned night. something about three... Oh, yeah, three days. Oh, it was three yeah, days, three yeah. Days. My mistake on that, yeah. yeah. There was something about 20 hours. I, I, maybe I'm confusing that fact. My bad. I think You're right, though. Yeah, going back to the three days. Sorry, good. Well, I think um, the three days, uh, the 20 hours, I mean, um, was right before uh, when the doctor dies because he's already starting to get really bad. Like, he's on the... Um, the escalator with the conductor. Right. And I think that's where the 20 hours came from. Because he's already yeah. in on Earth. He's already getting kind of wibbly. Right. right. He is, yeah. Yeah, Reeves yeah. is afraid he's going to go crazy if this right. operation isn't done on time. Right, so it's very critical that they get him into the... Uh, uh, at this point, and then... Um, uh, we're shown a, another follow-up with Conductor 71, who stairwell, uh, which oddly enough is called Ethel throughout the production of the film. Oh. Uh, I don't know why they picked Ethel, but they the chose Ethel. The stairs had a name? It did have a name, oddly enough. Yeah. yeah. The escalator? The escalator to heaven, yeah. This huge escalator linking both worlds was called Operation Ethel. It took apparently three months to make and the cost of 3,000 pounds in 1946, which in today's wow. American currency would be around $3,700. Give or take. Wow. Apparently the, the Ethel the had... Yeah, the uh, statues were all miniatures um, and while they ascended uh, to a total of 106 steps, they were an average of 20 feet wide and it was driven by a 12-horsepower engine which was quite an incredible thing for the time. <laughs> yeah, they had to actually um, uh, cut all the audio out. Hello? It was so loud, yeah, yeah. Yep. Wow. It was a very loud machine, apparently. <laughs> but quite quite an undertaking. But uh, as this scene uh, progresses, we see uh, Conductor 71 and Peter progressing up the stairs. I and, love this scene. Uh, he has to decide. He's trying to show him uh, out of the uh, them statues uh, who he'd like to pick. Uh, Abraham Lincoln and all these different uh, figures he has access to. Play it out, right? And then I, I like how uh, it finally dawns on Peter, like, "Hey, you're trying to just get me back to heaven." 
And he's like, oh, crap. So, so he, he's like, oh. And then Conductor's like, Peter, Peter, don't go. <laughs> and he's like running down the stairwell. And I really like the transition. It was like a, must have been a t- some type of green screen effect. But he's as he's running down the stairs, he's getting further to the bottom. It transitions from him uh, being uh, running down the stairs back to the fact that he's uh, lying in bed and um, as uh, a conductor 71 you can still hear him in the, the background saying Peter don't go we transition to June who's also saying the same exact thing as he's uh, waking up Peter don't go Peter don't go which is really fascinating the dynamic of him having this hallucination uh, to him being back uh, in the, the awakened state I just love that scene in particular where he's trying to get him to pick a defense counsel. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it'll come up more in my fantasy casting. But it just really was funny. It's like, like you could picture any statue in general. It's just like, what about him? What about him? And I just wanted to see somebody different. Yeah. Completely like, unexpected. What about him? Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. Too short. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a lie. Napoleon short wasn't short. Dude. He was a short dead dude. Bill and Ted told me that. I, I know, you. but he wasn't actually short. He's a short dead dude. That's all He's I know. That's all I was. Dead French dude. What about this one? <laughs> beef oven. Oh, God. Beef oven. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln and Southern... Uh, Catch you no. later, dudes. <laughs> so well, let's see. We'll fast forward to the fact that Dr. Reeves um, gives up his life um, while trying to get Peter to uh, his surgery, which is rapidly getting closer and of very great importance. And we also have, accident. yes, the motorcycle accident, which um, forces Dr. Reeves to die unexpectedly, which... Uh, but I question whether he was actually sacrificing himself in that particular scene to have him uh, so he could um, represent Peter in heaven. Because I, I don't know if it was Dr. Reeves because, well, he was a man that lived, say, because he, there was a scene earlier in the film where he seemed like roaring down a street like uh, past these, like, these American dudes. Yeah, he is crazy. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm watching the, the, um, the film and I'm watching him fly down the street. Mm-hmm. On this motorcycle, and I'm like, dude, that a helmet? Slow the freak yes. down. Yeah. What are you or just doing? had a fear. Yep. And then, of course, the minute he was like, "Oh, uh, I don't know what's taking the ambulance so long. I'm gonna go ahead." Um, the minute he said that, and I'm like, "Oh, it's raining out. Oh, he's gonna be on his bike. He's gonna die." Yeah. That's that's it. He's gonna die. He drives recklessly. It's raining. It's dark. He's dead. Yeah. It was a really and tragic scene. Yeah. The, the <laughs> thing is, too, the entire time when um, you find out, oh, you can have anybody dead who you want to represent you. And he's going through everything. And he talks to the doctor about it. And the doctor's like, well, you probably shouldn't pick someone who was famous because they won't understand like the everyman thing. Um, and I'm like, oh, so the doctor's going to die. Gotcha. Well, they, I mean, they showed him driving oh. recklessly earlier, so we already know he drives a little too fast. True. So. Yes, he was re- quite the uh, reckless driver, but that was a good point. Whoops, sorry. 
Yeah. That was a good point, Jocelyn. Um, he was the everyman, yeah, because that's actually a very important point later in the, the film when we see the actual trial. Right. Um, we'll, we'll get to that point. Um, let's see. So from this point, I don't have any notes on it further, so now this this is all purely from me. I'm pulling my mind now. <laughs> I, really want to, uh, I didn't realize we were going to keep going. Uh, let's see. So at this point, uh, uh, we arrive. He's in surgery. He, he's in surgery. We see him uh, transitioned in. Um, he's uh, put under. Really interesting for the time, Michael Powell had a brother-in-law who was a plastic surgeon and uh, had family who was uh, in, the, uh, in this field of medicine. So everything you see in the scene for that time was relevant to something you would have seen um, if we had seen it in the, uh, the 40s if somebody did actually have brain surgery. All the machines that were used, the way everything was set up, the way the preparation that went into the, the entire room, like it was all like as accurate as it was possible uh, for that time and all the uh, they had or any devices they used, everything was adequate and accurate of the time that they would have done uh, for that surgery because the intention of the director was to make it as real, as lifelike as possible, so you believed Peter was genuinely going to have brain surgery. Um, for that particular scene. One of the cool things I... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, I actually looked up what the the brain injury that he was supposed to have. Um, Oh? Yeah, I I looked it up. Brain surgery and stuff is kind of... uh, I've been looking up a lot of that stuff lately. Um, But this particular one, I'm looking at all the... um, like symptoms and everything else that he supposedly have or was supposed supposed to um, have with this particular injury, and none of those have shown up. <laughs> I think they just grabbed uh, a brain injury that they're like, "Well, we know this one. Um, yeah, you got this." In the right out of the ass. Uh, <laughs> no, it's um. The whole okay, having pain in the in the specific part of the head, and smelling like nice smells, and having like hallucinations have nothing to do with this particular thing. Oh, really? Nothing at all. Yeah. Um, wow. The uh, symptoms that usually come with it are yes, chronic pain, uh, but it's usually uh, numbing numbness and tingling in the extremities, um, usually having to do with the spinal cord, uh, bowel, bladder, and sexual functioning are affected. Um, it's usually nerves in the legs and lower back, um, and, uh, difficulty with motor skills and controlling limbs. That's usually what comes across with this. And it says that Surgery is less likely to work uh, with really? this particular injury. Yeah. Um, oh. they, he should have been getting epidural steroid injections. So they just kind of made it up. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. oh, this what is a brain things- injury. Uh, we'll go with this. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't apologize at all. Wow. Well, I know they were talking about, um, uh, from what I came across, apparently, they weren't allowed to talk about it, but Peter was experiencing epilepsy. 
there was something that during uh, the time of film that they weren't able to talk about because it was a dirty word back in the day. So that was one of the uh, the aspects of, I guess, what he, he was experiencing from falling from, you know, the plane and... Oh, having an epileptic surgery? Uh, I mean, epileptic yeah. seizure, I mean? I mean, yeah. He, yeah. he did end up with a head injury, at least. They, they mentioned it briefly at the very... Like, when he first gets out of the water. He's like, oh, your head's bleeding. Kind of thing, they said. So it's like, all right. Well, it's that, and they mentioned that he had a concussion two years prior. Okay. Um, and that's... I must have missed that bit. Yeah, he had a, a a concussion, and that mixed with this trauma when he fell caused this particular thing, which is called um, arachnoiditis, specifically. Hmm. That sounds like spiders on the brain. It that's what I was going to say. That's what came to I, mind, yeah. It's probably because that's what it looks like. Probably the um, injury on the brain probably has like a spider web like pattern. Um, Whatever a spider brain does. Also known as Parkerism. Uh ha ha. It was interesting too. Oh, good. On the topic of uh, like traumatic brain issues, I have to say I think the scariest way that the human brain can just go wrong is something called Wernicke's aphasia. Have you ever heard of it? No. 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 Wernicke's aphasia is just basically your brain goes haywire one day. You wake up, and everything everyone is saying to you is gibberish. And as far as you can tell, you're trying to talk back to them, but all you're saying to them is gibberish. It's like you're like the, the language center of your brain just breaks. And it's the most terrifying thing I can think of because you're aware of what's going on around you. You just can't you just can't communicate it. Wow. Yeah. That Whoa. and Capgrad delusion is terrifying as well. Yeah, it's fucked up. Could you use sign language? See, I don't know. Uh, if it's a yeah. language center, the, the the sign language might end up getting garbled as well. Yeah. Who knows? That that is a good question, though. Everyone's just flipping you off, and then you're flipping off everyone. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh you join the mafia, and you'd be the one. No, no, that's Kaz the finger. <laughs> oh, man. Finger yeah. people. <laughs> oh, man. That's just how she says hello. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so they say howdy in California. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good callback. I like that. That's a California yeah. howdy right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was interesting, though. I came across it. They did uh, release a book. It was um, Michael Wife. Um, Thelma Schumacher uh, it was a book called A Matter of Life and Death The Brain Revealed by the Mind of Michael Powell wow apparently there was like some type of a medical book I don't have it's not something I I was prepped to uh, bring up or anything but I know something I did come across and I guess it does talk about um, similar experiences to people who have been in the process of dying and uh, like really deep medical stuff which I have no background to even talk about whatsoever but talks about the brain and uh, it looks like it's really interesting stuff I'm trying to find a summary and, and find it of course to uh, to 
relate back to you guys, but there was definitely a book put out, and I guess it has to do with the brain. It was inspired by the movie and, I guess, the impact of it. So, so you know, with regard to the, the, the surgery that happens in the film, I, I, I didn't really know too much about it, but something about it must have stirred somebody because, I mean, this book came out when, back in 08 or something about a little over a decade ago. So it did something to, uh, I don't know, did something. Well, <laughs> from a personal to standpoint, yeah. um, I'm very thankful that this stuff is coming out. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Oh, most and, definitely, yeah. 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 It's weird. Too. I've heard experiences like from people who, whenever they, uh, I don't know if it's like they they believe that they'll randomly. I don't know how to explain. I'm just explaining this as best as I can. But people who randomly smell things that from things that have no reasoning, smell of baked cookies or some kind of food related thing or something a smell from their past or something. And that mm-hmm. there's some belief, apparently it's a spiritual thing that somebody either that they've known in their life or in their past life or something is visiting them or something. So in the film, when they were, when he, when Peter was having the experience of the fried onion thing, I thought maybe it's something. I mean, I, and I really didn't know, you know, to back it up on, except for hearing from other people have said, yeah, I've had the experience of smelling my mother's perfume or something. And it's like, well, Maybe that's your mom who passed away, or you know, and that's what I'm supposed to take away from what people his, say. I'm like, I guess his mom I don't know. Smelled like onions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fried onions, mom. Oh, see, no, oh, that's I'll, funny. I'll, but no, I kind of get that. Like, I'll catch the, the yeah. well again, again the um, just talking on the onion, onion on the onion tip. After I've like cooked a big meal, like the next day, even after I've washed my hands, I'll still catch a little whiff of onions every now and then. Yeah. So it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, all right. Yep. No, but I've uh, I've heard of people with, especially with brain injuries, that's not out of the ordinary. That can't happen. No. Yeah. All right. The brain is no, a really it's... weird thing. It's a really weird organ. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sure is. It does happen a lot like that where because like I can relate because like I have a very strong sense of memory Mm -hmm. uh, because where I had the stroke Mm -hmm. at my birth Mm -hmm. uh, was right next to the memory center of my brain. So the memory like took extra strength and compensated for that area. Hmm. And it's just it's just just stuff like that just wild to me. Yeah. The brain is a really really strange organ and yes. we had we is. still have no idea about whatever half of it does nope. yeah the the most educated people like neurologists and like brain surgeons and everything they're still yeah. basically just making an educated guess about yeah. easily half of what goes on up there i mean it's a mess of chemicals and and electricity and it's just the, the brain is a wild thing yeah Yes. So every time somebody is saying the brain, I immediately hear Louis Louis Guzman. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie The Waiting? No. The waiting. The wait, no. Doesn't waiting. Waiting. Oh, waiting. Oh, waiting. Oh, waiting. Yeah, I've the, seen bits and pieces of it, but not all the way yeah. through. No, it, it, we might get to it at a later date. But Louis Guzman used does this does this phrase where he goes, well, "What about this? The brain." <laughs> uh, we'll get to it in another time, I think, because that's going to be a mile list, I hope. 
That would be a great film. We should do, yeah, definitely do that one. That would be cool. <laughs> especially for us, especially some of us who've worked in the restaurant industry. Just... Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh, yeah. Several <laughs> of us have. Yeah. I could just hear Kaz going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Was he, was he uh, Corey, he's, uh, he, he, he was at the same restaurant for, what, 15 years? Something like that. Easily. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the only job he'd had, period, at all. Because he was he was really good at it. And the people there, like, knew he could do the job. Um, wow. Yeah, he's got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we better have him on then. That's uh, a podcast uh, right there. Stories of the uh, the restaurant. I will see. Oh, I'll yeah. see restaurant I stories. I like that. Hopefully by the time that comes up, this whole uh, you know enforced quarantine thing will get will be cleared will up. Be gone. Yeah. 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 Sure. So, can we get to the trial scene? Yeah, that was my next thing. Yeah, let's it's, go for yeah. it. Because this was just gorgeous. Mhm. Mhm. All of it, and I was so glad it was in black and white. Yeah. And not not it in color. I see. I yeah, don't think color would have definitely ruined it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think the whole Pride Rock kind of kind of courtroom scene would have worked in color. No, no. It was just it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Amph- amphitheaters were apparently uh, new for that time. Right. Style uh, in the film was uh, there was a quite a new uh, feature, and even uh, watching how it, part of the the theater itself was actually a matte painting. Like there was up to a portion of the people that were filmed that were in the scene. Uh, at one point when you see the entire layout of the theater from uh, the uh, side perspective, uh, would be the, the right side of the uh, Pride Rock, we'll say, on the uh, the people looking back. And uh, it goes uh, like about a percentage of the uh, the curve goes into it and then the it actually stops. And then beyond that, it's actually a map painting. Like somebody literally painted the rest of it in. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> Just to make, give it that that actual like effect of like the the hugeness of the the facility or the, the and then they zoom out the like galaxy or something. Yeah, yeah, it's that was incredible. Yeah. yeah, I was so impressed with that scene. Well, I love too is the actual transition from the his waking state when you see the eye he closes and how the the colors go from the like the normal color that you see in Technicolor into that um. I don't know. You want to say like uh, like that '60s like group? I don't know what the word is. It's um, kind of like crazy color thing going on as they descend deeper and deep. Psychedelic. Thanks. That's the word. I can think of the word. <laughs> is it like the psychedelic color effect transitioning into the actual black and white, which is something for the time? I can't imagine any film that ever ever done. But just to see that that uh, that change in color from technicolor mm-hmm. to like this crazy psychedelic, and then all of a sudden it's black and white. And how you're actually looking up over the people walking into this giant building of some kind. It was like, I don't know how these guys did this for the time, but it was incredible how they put together all these thoughts and, wow, blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, they did a great job. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then the actual uh, scene itself uh, for the trial, we have uh, Abraham Farland, who was the first American who died in the American War. By a British which bullet is, representing or prosecuting. Go ahead. Which is actually bullshit, but we'll go with that. It's bullshit, really? Yeah. Man, what? Tell me your lies, man. What, what's the truth? Tell me the truth. Um, what's the truth? Dan, what's that guy's name? 
The, oh, the, the actual first person who was uh, killed in the American Revolution was a man named Crispus mm-hmm. Attucks. Crispus Attucks? Crispus Attucks. A-T-T-U-C-K-S. He was a black man. Which is why he wasn't going to be mentioned in a movie about, about that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. Say it one more time. I keep it. You guys get phased out again. I'm sorry. Crispus Attucks. Yep. Then what did you say after it? He was a uh, he was he was the actual first person to be shot uh, to be shot and killed in the American in the American Revolution, Damn, and wow. the fact that he was a black man is oh, probably that's what, the okay. reason why he wasn't going to be mentioned in uh-huh. a scene like this. Yes. Okay. Wow. Got it. Wow. So it's not accurate. And Son of a gun. Was, it was Damn. like in Boston. Yep. Or that area. Yeah. Yeah, but for the sake of the film, again, it was, uh, even though it's incorrect, <laughs> say to learn this. Sorry, amazing. I'm killing it, Bob. <laughs> no, no, hey, I, hey, I, I, I guess at the time it was accurate, but I mean, I'd rather know the actual Christopher Adams. Crispus Adams. Or Crispus? Crispus, Crispus. Adams. I'm going to keep butchering it anyway. I just linked it in the Discord. All right, let me open. Ah! Crispus Attucks, cool. He was the first person killed in the Boston Massacre and considered the first wow. American. That's yeah. Wow. That's he was amazing. considered the first American killed in the American Revolution. Also, a little bit pissed. of history there. Um, the people who actually did uh, the murders of these people, um, the British soldiers, were actually um, put on trial and defended by John Adams our second uh, president of the United States. And most of them got off because he uh, he was a good lawyer, I guess. But he got most of these British guys off. Uh, Two of them actually got um, charged with manslaughter. And that was it. Um, And it was his cousin, Samuel Adams, who, yes, beer guy, um, who made Samuel sure, Adams? Who made sure that uh, <laughs> the people who died were actually known, and that's why we know that uh, this man was the first one killed. Wow! Because wow. he wanted to make sure that they they put it down. These are the people who killed, uh, who were killed. These are the people who were standing up for our rights. Here they are. Awesome. Wow. So there you go. Good bit of history. Thanks. That's really good. Okay, okay so back to the film. So, uh, it's Farland. <laughs> so, so, so Farland is... <laughs> no, no, it feels so irrelevant. Like, I'm sorry. Do you? No, it's fine. Hey, it is what it is. It's just it's weird now. It's like, now I feel like it kind of kills the, the fact that he was the first guy. So now you feel like, when I watch the film again, I would be like, no... That's not true. No, uh-oh. that's inaccurate. <laughs> Actually, he might have been the first white guy. Yeah, sorry to break your heart, oh, man. Oh. I really am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they took a lot of liberties. I didn't realize that. Jeez. All right. But uh, it's a uh, him versus a uh, doctor, and they basically have a uh, a verbal back and forth about about. Uh, we're better than you because, and the Dr. Reeves gives his intelligent, we're better than you because, and 
which they eventually go back and forth and they show each, uh, present uh, each other's uh, radio of the current day, which have been uh, 45. This was hilarious. Uh, the filming, and they're like, <laughs> well, cricket, and, uh, and it's, this apparently is what, uh, what Farland believes the, the British are hearing, well, there's cricket, and it's wet outside and I'm cricketing and yick-yick-yick. and something to that effect and then I like the transition where uh, was it uh, Conductor 71 magically appears with the radio <laughs> and Reeves turns out shoo-woo-woo baby shoo-wop-wop and then I don't understand a word of it and, and Dr. Reeves goes I, I, I understand I, I'm with you on that one <laughs> and I can't believe that's really what the music was of the 40s was shoo-wop shoo-wop and baby and I thought it was more Sinatra, like something more more to it than that. But it depends like, on what yeah. station they picked up. Yeah. Right. I guess. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> <laughs> what a hell of a station, boy! But oh. it worked. It worked to his uh, his side. Uh, so ultimately, uh, Reeves uh, challenges the uh, the council. Uh, who are going to determine um, whether or not uh, Peter should be allowed to stay on Earth or he has to um, come back to heaven and ultimately uh, his relationship with June has to end. So he opts with uh, uh, Farland to instead of having um, men uh, or human people of uh, distinct backgrounds from all like wakes of life, it's like have, have all Americans instead. And Farland, uh, he's like, I agree. He's like, sure. Because, you know, he figures the Americans are all going to agree with him. He's got the case in the book. It's, it's all said. It's all, it's good. So it's really neat. You see all these people um, of varying backgrounds of the 40s, like um, who are, loved, were immigrants to the country. Yeah. I loved this scene. I loved it. Yeah, me too. It was really good. It was good. so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Those transitions, and I'm like, the first few, I'm like, oh, God, they picked everybody from stereotypical Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> but I was hey, like, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, American citizen, but, yeah. you know, yeah. originally from China, originally yeah. from... Yeah. George Wong. I just thought that was so neat. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was really awesome. cool. Yeah. And then yeah. in turn, they had to uh, be uh, June because they wanted to have that she really did in fact, uh, love Peter. So they, okay. they uh, took, the, they had this, that gorgeous transition, which was them on this plane of existence in the afterlife and transition back to um, reality. When it's like this map, this beautiful, uh, we have this drawback, them being very close to this like incredible map painting. And as Kaz pointed out earlier, it's uh, turned into a galaxy and a transition into this massive ethyl stairwell again going down. I like the, the blue which- line. Yeah, good. I almost expected a Tom and Jerry cartoon to come out because <laughs> it was very much like the Jones era, and you just expected to see Tom and Jerry just chasing after each other for a moment. <laughs> that would have took me right out of the film. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it would have, but it just still looks like whoa. We just walked into Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> so they magically were transported to the. Bottom of the stairs, and there they are. Have Peter. Um, it, what's really fascinating too is that you see uh, June, who appears, and whether she knows or not, I, I presume by the end of the film she would know that she was that, that that experience actually happened with her, and it was in her subconscious. 
And then uh, also Peter, who uh, appears out of thin air as well in his uh, fatigues or his army uh, gear from earlier in the film when he was uh, pre-descending from the, uh, his plane to his death, which he thought at the time. And I really questioned that at first because I couldn't figure out why is he dressed like he was going to die when he's already transitioned into uh, other clothing, pajamas, right. surgery clothing. So that I, I, I wasn't certain what they were going for, but I guess because it was. I think uh, they were trying to bring him back if he was actually going to go, um, go to heaven. Then this is the way he should have gone. So yeah. this is what yeah. he was wearing. This is how he's going to be going. I think one of the funny bits, though, is when he walks up and he goes, Oh, how's the operation going? Yeah. <laughs> and there's just a slight moment of silence where he looks and he's like, Okay, you're fine. And he's like, Oh. I loved it. How's it going? <laughs> hey, guys, am I, is, it, oh, is it going good? Did I make it through? <laughs> well, and then and then we're we're uh, back and forth between Farland and Reeves again, and the the battle it becomes ultimately a battle of love. And this yeah. person have magically, in the course of uh, several minutes and over radio transmission, actually be legitimately fall have fallen in love with this other person. And it's a debate um, between the the two um, from Reeves and Farland, and then. They question Kim, June. She says, do, "Do you love me?" Goes yes, and then she she even is hesitant to want to try and defend uh, how she loves him because how can she? She just met him. She even establishes she, that to Farland, who acknowledges, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. She she admits it freely. Yep. Yeah, I just yeah. met him, but I love him. And oh, right, prove it. Uh, so what'd you I die can. for? Him? <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And ultimately, right. they, they both choose they're going to, they, they will die for one another. Yep. And, um, but Reeves, uh, to prove his case, he, he says you have to replace Peter. Which, uh, honestly, on the stairwell. he's brilliant but, here. Because yeah. it's already been pre-established that she dies when she's like 97. Right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know that she's not going to die now. They don't play that way in heaven. No. So, him mm-hmm. doing this... And saying, okay, let's do it. Take her. We know, as the audience, that it's not going to happen. But emotionally, especially for Peter, it's wicked. Right. It's brilliant. He did it brilliantly. Right, yeah, because you can can see the look on Peter's face where he's just like, Doc, you bastard, what do you... No, stop, 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 stop. It was a brilliant defense. I'm talking about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I said, stop, stop, stop. And he's looking at me like, what did I do? <laughs> right, I agree with you. I, I didn't think about it that way. That he's like, oh, wait. Yeah, like, you know, being the master chess player, he just put everybody, like, one move away from checkmate. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah basically, this movie more brilliant. Yeah, he puts everybody mm-hmm. in check and then just goes, "All right, figure yourselves out." It's really yeah. good writing. Yeah. Really wow. good writing. I was really impressed uh, when uh, June she stepped on the uh, she stepped on the stairs and they she just she turned and she looked right at the camera when she's looking directly at Peter. I was like, "Wow, she looks so poignant." She had mm-hmm. like this absolute power in that given moment. I was like, "Wow, 
that was just incredible, like how strong she looked. And then it was like this very quick transition to like her crying. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it was just a hell of a thing just to see her so, uh, in, in like so, such a, a, a ray of strength in that given point. Then all of a sudden you just see like tears, like, yeah, it's like, the and it's the stoic tears. tears too. She's not like crumbling in a in a heap like the the wilting flower yeah. kind of thing. It's like she's crying, but she's strong about it. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, it's right. Just a stoic thing. Yeah, and it's beautiful. From that point, she she yeah. transcends up the stairs and then gets to a certain point. I really did struggle with this part a little bit. I mean, I, I get it, but the fact that uh, as the the stairs just seemingly they stopped, uh, I guess so that the the gravity. I'm assuming it's like the gravity of love um, and the strength between the, their bond is what which uh, kept her from leaving uh, Earth back to the afterlife, and she reluctantly like it's runs down almost... the stairs back into Peter's arms. Well, <laughs> See, I thought of it more like a tether because he was oh, down okay. there and right. she was going further and further up, so the line didn't break; it just stopped because it's stronger. I just thought the escalator stopped because the uh, repairman hasn't died yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the whole Mitch Hedberg thing. It's like, you know, an elevator can never break. It's like an, ele- an escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. Come stairs. It only become stairs. <laughs> yeah. Escalator temporarily stairs. Sorry for the convenience. <laughs> that was a great sc- <laughs> I like that. That was such a good thing. Oh, yeah. and that and then, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Like when he wakes up too, it's even more, like even more mysterious. Mm-hmm. Too was like, did it really happen? Mm-hmm. Either it's a hallucination. What's really neat too, if you uh, see surgeon, who's uh, ends up being the the judge we see in heaven with the looks like. Uh, What's the dudes we just talked about that the tiger, that Siegfried big uh, mane of hair? Looks, looks like a Freud. Yeah. he's the actual Freud. surgeon. Yeah, he ends yep. up being yeah. the surgeon that worked on him. I didn't even so, realize that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that jolted me back, oh, back when I realized. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I like a movie like this too because it it, may, it sits with me for a while. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> right. That's Not a bad the, way either, but it's just no. here. It's like whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like along the lines, like Inception with the top, or um, like the Joker at, at the at the end, where you're just like it's left kind of like, did this all happen or was it all in his head? I'm not right. giving any of it away, but if anybody's seen it, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the beauty of the film, and um, yeah. But this is just still really good. Yeah. Like, and this was like the only film. Yeah, exactly. They, I they, know. It, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and this was my, my proud moment where I can finally say um, I, I got my David film in, even though it wasn't David Lynch. It was a very light, story-driven uh, David Lynch film, which made you guys <laughs> think so. Thank you very much for letting me do that. I appreciate it, which is why we've had this... Uh, Two hour plus conversation, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> David Lynch. Got in there. <laughs> well, there was a lot uh, to unpack here. Yeah, there yeah. was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, th- this movie was, was pretty dense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. So you guys think it was a hallucination, or did it, uh, did um, it really happen? Arguments could be made either way. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get all Dumbledore here, and like, just because it all happened in his head doesn't mean it wasn't real. Oh. I agree with you, Dan. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I, like I agree it. with that total turn of thought. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I like it. Like, did it happen? Did it not happen? I'm like, who the hell cares? Right. Yeah. Like. It's real enough, you know? Yeah. True. Just real enough to make you believe it's real. Yeah. I just want to right. say one thing. I really liked the scene when the doctor dies and he's, he's in heaven and he's like, oh, uh, he can pick me to, uh, to represent him. Like he had no qualms about being dead. Yeah. He just, he, he just accepted like, it right oh, off. Oh, all right. Then. Okay. I'm dead. Oh, everything he said yeah. was right. Okay. Like he had no like questioning, like never ever sat there going, huh? So he was right about everything, huh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. He never did it. He never questioned it. He just walked in and went, uh, okay. Well, it'd, it'd be like if uh, superpowers became real or like magic ended up being real or some stuff like that. Nerds or, mm-hmm. or like the open-minded would be like, all right, huh, so this is happening. It wouldn't necessarily yeah, right. be like in every other movie where everyone panics and cannot accept that this is happening. It's just like, no, no, there are a lot of us out there who have like prepped ourselves for our entire lives to be like, oh, magic? Fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. He's open-minded enough to be like, huh, so heaven's real. So if that's How the case, that? then, I, I get, so presumably he did then sacrifice himself for the to help out Peter. I don't, that, that was actually one of the I don't think he I did was... it on purpose. Yeah. He just, he was in a hurry and it was raining and it was bad weather and it, and it was already established. He's a reckless driver. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a good dude, but he ain't perfect. Um, yeah, I don't think he did it on purpose, but it was convenient. Yeah. But when it happened, he's like, oh, all right, I can roll with this. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I see, really think he just met his fate. Yeah. Yeah. And the scene where we point. see the doctor like entering into heaven, does that remind yeah. anyone else of a particular scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Say it, I'm sorry, you cut out. Say it again. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey when they're uh, oh, wow. like slowly filtering into heaven and it's just like a white plane with some pillars in the background and everyone's just kind of slowly walking in. Oh, yeah. oh right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, this scene, I think, informed that one much, much later. <laughs> Wow, I didn't yeah. think about that. Good point. There you wow. Go. wow. Nice. Bill and Ted, another reference. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, and that, and that movie's got an entertaining Grim Reaper in it, too. Very entertaining movie. They used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. I mean, that, 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 really, that one really scared me as a kid. I, was, I really uh, took to excellent versus bogus, but as I've gotten older and... I really actually like Bogus now because well, I can see the all these elements that have come from other films, and you you point out a really good one. Yeah, so, and there, well, there were some real fever dream moments in Bogus Journey too, like the whole like, uh, uh, like the, the, the sewer tunnels and the grandma and the and the army <laughs> thing. That stuff yeah. was fevered. Like Tim Burton on like an overdose of something. This this joke got away from me. <laughs> we're with you, man. We're with you. Yeah. But yeah, so, that was this movie. Yeah. 
So fantasy. what about fantasy casting? Oh god, yes, fantasy casting. I mean I, I th- got one. I mean I think the casting works and I'm you know, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really think about fantasy casting. Give me a couple minutes, I'll see if I can think of something. But what I got, you got cast? I got good. Okay. Okay, um let's see. replace <laughs> replace conductor seventy one with uh Ryuk the Shinigami. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Ooh, I like it. All right, so got the dice wait, here. Wait, 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 hold on. Who's that? Who's that? Catch me up. Who's uh, this? from De- Death Note. Death Note. He's from Death Note. An anime. Call it a matter of life for Death Note. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I something. approve. For it the- would change the tone of the movie completely. Yes. With the soundtrack by Maximum the Hormone. <laughs> Yeah, see if you uh, if if you haven't seen Death Note abridged, look it oh, up. Oh, it's not it there is. anymore. No, no, no balls, chief. YouTube took it darn. No, no balls. Yeah. yeah. You remind me of myself, Matsuda. Except no balls, no balls, chief. No balls. All right, let's see. So, replace uh, Conductor Seventy One with Ryuk. Uh, that's going to be a ten. That's a no go. <laughs> Damn it! Oh. You know what he could have done with that death note? What, what Peter could have done? He could have oh, ended the fucking war. Yeah, well, yeah. The war was already over at that point, wasn't it? Well, near it near enough. Yet? It was uh, the the way that the film portrayed it was it was like days away from the actual conclusion of World War Two. So they were it was like they were just it was that close to the end of it. It's like so they yeah, just, Hitler was probably dead, and they had just dropped mm-hmm. the bomb, and like J- Japan was going, Jesus, what was that? <laughs> well, maybe so Death not, Note had a movie. So maybe not movie? Jesus, but you know. Death Note was uh, okay. Don't watch the American one. <laughs> <laughs> the American <laughs> one is god awful. Oh god. Okay, Death Note was a manga, and then it was an anime, uh, and oh, they did okay. two live action Japanese movies, and then they did the American one, which is on Netflix. Don't watch it. Oh my god, no, don't it's watch bad. it. It's so bad. I I I subjected myself to it. Mm. it there wasn't was one good. part that I laughed yeah. at so hard. Uh when Ryuk full like uh fully sure shows himself to uh what the fuck did it, they name him in English? In Japanese, his name is Light. Um yeah. but when the kid shows up and he actually sees Ryuk and he screams like a bitch and runs and like runs into shit. I laughed hysterically. I had to stop it, rewind it, and watch it again. <laughs> it, because I laughed so hard. It was so bad. <laughs> so I'm looking at a picture of this guy, or I don't know if he, he, the Death Note person, and he looks like Hades from Hercules, but just a, a really bit. weird yeah. face. Yeah, yeah he's That's a uh, Shinigami, yeah. which is yeah. basically a Jap- like a Japanese. It's like, like a death god. It's like, or like, well, death god is in Japanese culture. The whole like death god thing. It's like there's levels. It's it, it more of like a reaper sort of. A yeah, deal. he's he's a reaper. His job is oh, to okay. take souls. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, is he a funny? De- is he a funny death god? Uh, uh no. not really. <laughs> no. He likes apples. Death He's... Note yeah. Death Note is not a funny show no. at all. No, it's a thriller. Oh, it's a horror based, okay. Pretty not much. Not yeah. horror. It's psychological. 
Yeah. It's okay. very Thriller. psychological. Thriller. It's a... Um, if, you know, see, now, other psychological animes include Paprika and Paranoia Agent. Okay, Psychedelic is Paprika. Paprika is <laughs> its own thing. And then if yeah. you want utter bullshit nonsense anime, watch Fooly Cooly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fooly Cooly. I, fu- I, I I still fully believe that show makes no sense. People say that there. there's all sorts there's of... There's a plot. It's in there. So you say, but I've yet to see it. There is a plot. I promise. How do you spell it? Fool, 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 just look up FLCL. FLCL is how they, uh, how they spell it for the show. Oh, robots popping out of your head. Yep. Uh and you got right. your weird head pimple erection thing, and then a then a, some weird girl hits it with a guitar. Yeah, she's great. Ugh. She rides a motorcycle. No, she rides it's a, a Vespa. scooter. Yeah. Anyway, we, we've right. we've ventured away. Sorry. I got a fantasy casting here. Okay. Go for it. I got right. the dice. What's, so what do you got? For the conductor, I got I got two in case one doesn't work. Okay. So for the conductor. Replace French guy with George Carlin. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Okay. That's going to be a 21. Just made it. Nice. All right. <laughs> All right. What was your other one, just in case? Patron State of 4041 Media, Christopher Walken. I would have laughed if that was a... It was, it was 220s. No, uh, 23. Is it 220s? No, it's 23. If it was 220s, uh, I'd been like, like, yes, nice. we need to actually contact... Christopher Walken, get him on this goddamn show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, so tell him it's it? something else. I what was, happened? Ended up All being right, a I'm going to go with George Carlin. Yeah. Simply because of the fact that it would be fucking hilarious. Because he would have gone into some fucking riff about something and like, what are you going to do? Okay, look. You jumped out of a plane. You're fucking dead. <laughs> Once you're dead, what are you going to do? This is you fell in love with a babe. There's a babe up there. So I'm I'm honestly just You're picturing go to heaven. I'm picturing Cardinal Glick from uh, uh from <laughs> Dogma. Dogma in this yes. yeah. Just ascending up the ascending up the stairs and you just have Buddy Christ. Yep. <laughs> several areas there. Right. Look, what about him? You gonna pick a defendant? Come on, we'll just pick somebody. Like, <laughs> see, I know this guy. His name's Loki, he's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> we. <laughs> this was before Loki was hot. You might notice I'm not Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> I was Loki in the 90s. I was Loki before it was cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and just for patrons saying a 44 to 1 media, Christopher Walken. See, it's now just, all I have is like a, a stained just glass. Funny. Christopher Walken. Holding a tiny watch. Yeah. With like a halo around him. You see, but he like capacity. Yeah, but he wouldn't need uh, he wouldn't need wings though, because as we all know, he can fly. So he'll just kind of dance down. (laughs) (laughs) It just. Got fat boy slim in the background. When he stops time, and you see, look. Check it, your watch. <laughs> Everything is stopped. We're not in time. We're in space. Check your watch. That was your father's watch. 
You're you, dead. This was your daddy's watch. You don't know. You don't want to know where he held that watch. <laughs> that uncomfortable hunk of metal. <laughs> he hit it where he could. That? <laughs> it's the only place he could. His ass. <laughs> okay, I'll peel. But you're talking about a guy all wrong. <laughs> if you ain't gonna come to heaven, I'll stab you in the face with a soda guide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Take either of those; it would have been funny as hell. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think I can do any better on uh, the fantasy casting. Like, I want the Christopher Walken as the angel movie now. That would be cool. I'd like to as see cool that as George later. Carlin would be. I want Christopher Walken as. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Hmm. It's a Wonderful Life, but replace Clarence with Christopher Walken. <laughs> I know. I know. But I just had that, like, I'm just picturing Christopher Walken as an angel, and that's what popped into my head. You just want him as an angel. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Okay. Was he an angel in the outfield? No. He should have No, that was Christopher Lloyd. Nah, Christopher he should have been. <laughs> I was frozen today. <laughs> <laughs> he was in it. There'd be a lot more freezing. Yeah. It would be a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just wanted somebody to say, time out. <laughs> so what we're going to replace Conductor 71 with, uh, with Zach, Morris. Zach Morris all right <laughs> so that's a three the the universe does not want Zach Morris to be a uh, to be a conductor and actually have time stopping powers I appreciate that Zach Morris Zach oh, Morris, Morris. Okay, okay. The bell. Saved by the bell. Okay. Oh okay. god. Who is actually a time lord and abuses his powers to, to make his friends freeze in place. <laughs> He's a sociopath. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still I, I just stuck thought, at Christopher Walken and it's a wonderful life. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of one. Okay. I just thought of one. I want to show you what it's like to be never born. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of somebody. I got William Shatner as Conductor 71. Oh, hell. The movie would be... be two hours. The movie would be much longer, yes. (laughs) Wow, the dice are not liking any of us today. That's an 11. What do I got? What do I got? 11. 11. Oh. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, the the dice are not being kind today. (laughs) Damn it. I had this whole thing, like, what mine would have been like. With the... Uh, well, what was yours? Well, with, if Ryuk was the conductor instead, and and he dropped the death note for Peter, and Peter would kill Hitler. Oh God! He would have to kill Hitler in a spectacular fashion, though. That would be all right. I mean, the way I'd watch that, that hits home, no more dictators. I, I'd and, watch it. But, but then he wouldn't be able to be reunited with June because he wouldn't go to heaven or hell because he used the death note, right? Because yeah, at he that, at that point, he's basically evil. Right. Da, da, da. That would be pretty cool. That has a sad ending. I just did a random roll for no reason and I got a 39. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could cross this over with MASH. But I, 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 I don't know who. Alan Alda as Peter. But he was the doctor. No, he'd be better as the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah true, true. But I can't think of any way the movie would be different. 
Well, okay. Well, you'd have hot lips. Is the junior. doctor would be drunk. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I could see radar being conductor seventy one. What? Oh my god! <laughs> I think it would work. Let's give this a shot because now I want to see this. Uh, nope. That's a fourteen. Uh, I bet he was accompanied by little animals. You, you roll. Give me the roll. You roll and see give what me. happens. <laughs> You suck at this. Well, they're not my GM dice, so they're not going to roll nice for me. I see a 12. That's a 12 and, and a 9. So it's a 21. 21. So okay. Fit. That works. <laughs> nice. Okay, so how does Radar do? Uh, He's bumbling. <laughs> it's like this is his oh. first real assignment to try to get somebody back, so he's just kind of like uh, stumbling and bumbling. Hi, Peter. <laughs> you need to come with me. Can <laughs> fill out this and form? Peter, Peter, just walk over him. Like, yeah, nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It would be the... the there, there was an episode for a mash. Remember Charles, Ch- Private Charles Lamb? Uh, yeah, yes. The episode where he got a lamb shipped to Iowa, <laughs> and he got Colonel Blake to sign off that he was a soldier. So he would get Peter shipped to heaven? No, he would, he, he would forge it. So Peter would stay. Ah! <laughs> Short movie. Oh, well, I, I can't really get in the way of love. What do you think, sir? <laughs> oh, stay on Earth. I thought you meant stay yeah. in heaven. I'm like, yeah. that would be real sneaky. Oh, let's get let's get him here. <laughs> oh, radio's gonna be great too. Yep. Seriously. Wow. wow All man. right. Damn. Oh, there you go. These are, these are good today. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Tarantino directed it. <laughs> then nobody would go to heaven. No. There'd be much more fire on heaven that Heaven wouldn't be heaven. Yeah. Wait. It'd, a lot of feet. Heaven would be a lot of feet. A lot of feet. Everybody would be barefoot in heaven. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I kept thinking of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, it turns out to be an ironic hell. Oh, so we're like in the good place. Damn yes. it, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> but I stopped I'm myself. I'm trying to Yeah, my mother is just watching through that show now for the first time. She just got to... great show. She just got to the big plot twist at the end of season one, and she messaged me. She's like, what in the... I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so what if Michael was the judge? Mm. Hmm. I don't know how that would change things, but... I just like that idea. What if not Michael, but his boss? Sean? Sean. Sean. Oh, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. The plot thinkings. That's a 20. Or instead of Janet. Oh. Instead of June, it's Janet. It's Janet. It's Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Bing! Hi, I love you. <laughs> 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 then he'd end up in a coffin in the middle of space. Oh god! Yeah. Then he'd be Jason Mendoza. <laughs> he'd be Jason. Uh, <laughs> oh god! He'd be. He'd be so stupid. <laughs> this is oh, a really good idea, yo. He wouldn't figure out how to get out of the airplane. <laughs> nope. It'd be more Florida dirt bags. See? Yo, man, I'm just gonna join Bob. <laughs> My boy, Doctor <Dr. laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? He was in my dance troupe. (laughs) (laughs) 
want to be a DJ, yo. <laughs> I talk about Boy Donkey Dog all the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I just finished watching season three of that. Yeah, and I, I know I'm behind, but... I think I'm, like, halfway through season two. Okay. We haven't finished The funniest yet. thing is when you get through season three... <laughs> Go back and watch exclusively just watch for Jason. Oh, the funniest thing when that actor, when he says something profound, all of a sudden he just turns and looks up to the left. And it's funny every time. Huh. <laughs> Instead of looking around, he's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just suddenly distracted out of nowhere. And I fucking love it. <laughs> Yo, I think I'm in love with this girl, June B. Yo, yo, Bob, I gotta go, man. So we're gonna see you later. What? Yo, am I in heaven? Why is there a naked guy there? Whoa. <laughs> Why don't you have any clothes, bro? Am I supposed to be naked too? <laughs> you, just, you talked to my boy, Pillboy? <laughs> Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm getting punchy here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, shit. It's been a long week. Yeah. Yeah. This week has been a long year. Yeah. Yep. It sure it's, is. It's March 92nd at this point. Yeah. True. Shit. All right. So, should so we end this? So, what's up next week? Yeah, what do we got next week, Bob? Next week, we have Munster Go Home. 1966 film that after the conclusion of the uh, Munster television series they made a film and this was that film huh alright okay and it's fantasy I love it I can dig it it's a fantasy (laughs) oh god it's the most underrated shows of all time Mm. it's incredibly funny yeah, there's a lot doing, of cool stuff. Are we doing a uh, TV time machine next week, too? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely wanted to do a TV uh, time machine. Uh, I really took uh, I took a, a lot of time to figure out which show, but hopefully we'll uh, we'll decide on it this week officially. Right now I'm leaning towards somewhere between, I want to say, either uh, The Munsters or Bewitched, but I was hoping we'll have like a, a group vote on it, and we'll know uh, definitely by the week. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. All right, sounds good. So right. I have a... Uh, um, a, 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 a piece of song to play us out, but when when ready, please tell me and we'll press play. Hopefully, it actually plays, so I'll be interested. All right, let's do it. All righty. So, um, I think Nick, I think this is uh, your bit here for it to see us I'll out. I'll do it. Yep. Okay, guys. So we'll see you next week. If you made it this far in the podcast, we really appreciate you. So go ahead, visit us at patreon.podbean.com slash mttimemachine. Anything you can donate would be certainly appreciated. Visit us on Instagram and Facebook as well. So, as always, we sign off. Be good. Take care of yourself. But don't be too good.